What's up, church? How we doing? Very good. Pretty intense video, is it? I hope the video is not that much better than the messages. You know what I'm saying? They kind of set the bar kind of high. So um, hopefully the series will be uh, just as intense. I believe it will. I believe that God's got some good plans for us uh, through this series. And I believe that he wants to do some incredible things in our lives. And, and I'm very excited about it. I'm excited about kicking it off today um, and getting it going. And, and this whole series is really about finding who we are in Christ and, and living out of that. And, and I believe firmly in my heart that we'll never become um, who God created us to be until we can see ourselves the way God sees us through Christ. And so we're going to be talking about that a lot for the next few weeks and, and believe that God's going to really work in our hearts and transform lives. And so if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump in in Genesis chapter 1, and verse 27. So we're going to start out in the very beginning, first book, first chapter, 27th verse. And then we're going to jump over to chapter 3 and read a few verses there. And so this is the creation story of God creating everything. And in verse 27, it says, So God created mankind in his own image. In, his, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And so let's look over in chapter 3 now. So we see how God created us in his image, but now we're about to see sin enter the world. It says in verse 1 of chapter 3, Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did you really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it or you will die. You will certainly not, not die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good and for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom she took some of it and ate it she also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked so they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves and so we see this sin and shame and guilt enter into the world into God's perfect creation um, we see that Adam and Eve um, now feel shame, they, feel, they see their nakedness, they try to cover that nakedness themselves. It says in verse 21, God pronounces curses on Satan, the man, and the woman. And then in verse 21, this is what we read, it says, The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And so in this verse, we see a lot of grace and a lot of mercy that God's showing them by, by covering their sin and shame, by sacrificing an animal, covering their sin and covering their shame um, himself. And it says, and the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. Let's pray and we'll get going in the message. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for its power. God, I pray today that, um, God, you would do a great work in our heart through your word. I pray that our hearts would be good soil to receive the good seed, God, of your word. And it would produce a harvest in our lives. It would produce this, the fruit of the spirit in our lives, God. It would produce um, fruit in, in your kingdom. And we see your kingdom grow. God, I just pray that you'll have your way in this place today. God, I pray that we, by faith, would take hold of what you want us to take hold of today as we begin to discuss who we are in Christ. Lord, and we thank you for him, 
that we can come to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to poll the, 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 the people here today real quick and, and ask a couple of questions. It's okay to be honest. We're in church. And so the first question is this. How many people here today would say you are a huge Star Wars fan? Any huge Star Wars fans? Like Star Wars? Yep, that's good. I like Star Wars too. My, my boys all went through like this, this season where it was all about Star Wars and watching Star Wars movies. How about this? How many of you adults are willing to admit that you love the Avenger movies? Anybody like those? Yeah, I like those too. I think I might like those more than my kids do. And so I enjoy those. Now, this one is going to date us a little bit. Star Wars goes way back, um, but, but this is going to date us a little bit, um, probably because these movies are not quite as recent as some of the others. But how many of you love Indiana Jones movies? Any Indiana Jones fans? Yeah, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark, it came out in 1981, right? I was six years old then. You can do the math, figure out that I'm old. And so uh, it came out in 1981, and this whole movie is geared around um, Harrison Ford, Indiana Jones, um, going and being used by um, the, the, the government to go find the, the lost Ark of the Covenant, right? And so they're, they're trying to find the Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis find it. And this whole, this whole uh, just adventure ensues just trying to find the Ark of the Covenant. And so the whole movie's based around that. And you see people just spending time and effort and energy, everything they got to try to find um, this treasure, right? And it's interesting to me that uh, the Ark of the Covenant for the Israelites, for the Jewish people, signified or symbolized the presence of God with them. And so what we see in, uh, in, in this and, and, and in today, is, is, or what I see today, is that people are still looking for something. And what we're really looking for, even if we don't realize it's what we need, is the presence of God, the presence of God to work in our lives. And just like they were pursuing this, this thing that symbolized his presence, we today pursue all kinds of things that, that for us is going to make us whole or for us is going to change our life or for us is going to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. And so we look for all these different things. But the reality of it is that there's only one thing that can fulfill us. There's only one thing that can su sustain us. And there's only one thing that should give us our identity and identify us. And that's Jesus. So that we don't come to a place where we're looking for other things to fulfill. Looking for other things to define. And, and, but like those people searching for the Ark of the Covenant, man, we spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of effort. We spend a lot of energy. We spend a lot of money trying to define ourselves by things in this world which are never going to define us, never going to give us the identity that we're looking for. And so we need to see that and realize that and realize that in the beginning, God created us in his image. It's what verse 27 says, that he created us like himself, that he created us in his image. And so when we look at that, we need to see that it was perfect then. We were created to be with our image bearer. We could see who we were created to be because we were perfectly united with God. The problem comes in when we separate ourselves from him. And the thing that separates us from him is sin. How many sins did it take to separate Adam and Eve from God? One. And I'm pretty sure um, if, I don't think I'm way off in this, but I think everybody in here has committed at least one, right? Anybody that hasn't, I want to say, welcome Jesus to, to, the, to the crowd. Um, because everybody's committed one, right? At least. I've probably committed more than one on the way over here. 
um, as you yelled at your kids in the back seat for not doing what you wanted them to do. And so uh, we've all done that. We've all, all rightfully um, been separated from God because of the sin that we've committed. And we see that that happened to Adam. It happened to Eve. It happens to us the same way. And so it puts us on this search because we've been separated from our image bearer. It puts us on this search to answer the two questions that if you have not wrestled with, you will wrestle with it. Um, and those questions are this. Number one is, who am I? Like, who am I, my identity? And the second question is, why am I here? Have you ever wondered those things I and mean, just tried to answer those questions? I know I have in my life. And the reality is the only answer that I found that satisfies me, that shows me the truth, is when I find those things in Christ. The bad thing about it is we've looked to the world to define us. We've looked to the world to tell us who we are. We've looked to the world to give us our purpose. We've looked to the world to try to tell us that we're okay. And that's not okay because the world is, it will lie to us. Culture will lie to us about who we are, about who we need to be, and about what we're here to do. But we still chase after it, spending time, money, effort, energy, trying to grab hold of this thing that's going to finally settle it for us and be what we need it to be. Because we all long, there's, there's part of each one of us, and you, know, you may think about this more with teenagers or maybe with women, but guys, this is just as true for us if we're willing to admit it. We all long for this feeling, this identity that tells us we're okay. Like I'm, I'm accepted the way I am. Every human being has a desire, a need to be accepted, to be loved. And, and we can try to be tough and macho and say we don't, but the reality is we do. And so we try to find these things that make us feel okay. We try to find these things that, that make us acceptable. And the reality is, there's been so many things that we've heard from the world, from culture around us that have told us who we are, that for many of us, we don't know who we are anymore. We've just bought into the lie about who, who culture says we should be or what we should do. We've allowed our past to define our, our present and our future. We've allowed what others have said to define who we are, whether it was a parent or someone who took care of us or someone that was just in our life for a period of time that caused us to begin to question, who am I? Am I good enough? Am I acceptable? Some of us have had very harsh words said to us that have made us question whether or not we're okay. Some of us have had very bad things done to us that make us feel like we're not okay. But the good news is, guys, and the good news for us today is this, that because of what God has done through Jesus on the cross, you and I are acceptable to him. Because of what God did through Jesus, you and I are okay in Christ. I, the other day I was at a worship service. I was preaching at this revival. And during the worship service, I just had some anxieties about some things going on in my life, some worries and, and things that were happening. And, and I just prayed to God. I said, God, just tell me it's going to be okay. And, and no joke, as soon as I prayed that, the worship leader started singing it over and over and over again, it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. And it was like God was reinforcing it in my heart, in my mind, that he had control of things, that I didn't have to have the control, that he had it. And today, that's what I hope you can hear from me, is that if you're in Christ, you've given your life to Jesus, you're okay. It's okay to not be okay. God's just not going to leave us that way, right? He's going to change us and transform us. 
And if we're in a place today where maybe if you're in Christ and condemnation is ruling in your life, then that's not where you're supposed to be as a Christian. God will convict us, but because of what Jesus did and our faith in him, he will not condemn us because his condemnation went upon Christ. And so we're not condemned by God. All of this, um, the influences that have shaped us and changed us and transformed us into who we are today and all of the things that come at us every day from culture and from our our family and from, from people around us at work, wherever it may be, all of those things have made me come to understand that our identity is not an issue that we deal with. It is the issue that we have to come to terms with because so many times we find our identity in the wrong thing, the wrong place. And so there's two things that we've got to do, two things I want us to accomplish in this series. The very first one is that we identify the things that have created us to be the way that we are. What is it that has shaped me to be me? My, my, my parents, maybe, uh, events that have happened in my life, other people who have said things or done things to me, uh, things that I've done myself, things that have defined who we are. And, and we need to discover that and discern what those things are. And then we've got to separate those things out from what's really true and what's not true. The second thing we've got to do, and I'm going to put this equation on the board because it kind of helps you see it is the first thing, as I said, is understanding the experiences and influences that have made me the way I am. The second thing is we have to know the truth about God's word and what it says, who it says that I am, okay? So when we take and understand our experiences, then we're able to take the word of God and lay it on top of those experiences. We're able to discern what's true and what's false. And if we can begin to do that, we can begin to come to a place of wholeness in Christ that most of us have never experienced before. I wish someone had taught me about this when I was 10 rather than when I was 37. Because when I was 37 is about the time that I began to understand this. I'd been a Christian for many years at this point. And I knew that John chapter 8, where it says that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. I believed that in my heart. I, I, I mentally assented to that but I had never experienced it to the fullness that God wanted me to experience it until I began to understand what God's word and what his truth says about me and and what God's word and what his truth says about you. In fact, when when I moved here, um, 1985, I moved here and I I was 10 years old. So again, you can do the math, I'm, I'm pretty old. So when I moved here in 1985, I had a pretty hard time fitting in with, with folks. Um, it could have been because I had like an eight inch rat tail um, that, that I had grown, um, but I was cool where I came from, right? Um, it got down here, wasn't so cool. And I still get made fun of about that and uh, by my friends who are from here. And so, um, but, but I had trouble fitting in. I had trouble uh, really beginning to to establish who I was here in Statesboro. I'd go places and, and people, if you're from a small town, you can understand this, but people would ask me like, who do you belong to? And I'm like, I, I belong to Jeff and Bobby and I, you know, that's, that's about all I can tell you. And I finally learned that the best thing to say was, I'm not from around here because I figured out that's what they were trying to ask is they were trying to identify me with my parents and see if they knew my parents. And it just became easier to say, I'm not from around here. And, and then when I would say, I'm not from around here, I kind of get some funny looks, you know, and uh, they would kind of guess that probably by my appearance. But I would just tell them eventually, I just got to where that's what I would say is, I'm not from around here. And so I had a real hard time fitting in. 
And since I didn't fit in the way I was, what I decided I would do is recreate myself. I decided I'd become someone new. I remember uh, one day in elementary school, I was um, out on the, on the football field at the elementary school, and we were doing some PE stuff. And I remember looking, and there was this little cute blonde-haired girl who was going across the football field carrying something to another teacher. And I remember standing there that day and watching her walk across the football field, and this thought came to my mind. I thought, I'd like to have one of those one day. And so I was like, you know, I'd like to have one of those. And so I decided at that point, though, that there was no way that a girl like that was going to like me the way I was. And so, again, I started recreating myself. I started trying to wear the right clothes. I started trying to uh, do the right things that, that, that people would like. I, I, I tried to um, say the right things, you know, and, and become the right person. I even tried really hard in athletics and worked real hard in baseball and in football and things like that because I felt like if I'm an athlete, um, somebody like that will like me. And, and so I just worked for several years to try to become that person that I thought somebody would like, to become that person that, 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 that people would look at and go, he's, he's okay, he's good. And you know what's crazy about all that? Me recreating myself and doing all that? It worked. It actually worked. That's what's crazy about the whole thing is I actually, a few years later, met my future wife. And she accepted me uh, for some reason. I still don't know why she chooses to continue to live with me, but she does. And so she uh, accepted me. She loved me um, the way I was. But it was hard for me still to love me that way. I still felt like there was parts of me that weren't right, parts of me that weren't okay. And here's the thing that I realize about us, and it's really sad for us, is that many of us have never outgrown that adolescent phase of trying to be okay with the people around you, of trying to be pleasing to the people around us. So we're still today, we may be 20, we may be 35, we may be 55, we may be 75. But the thing that I realize is that many of us today are still trying to recreate ourselves into something that we feel other people will like, something that we feel other folks will say they're okay, something that we feel is lovable because we look at it and we say this, if I can't love me this way, there's no way they can love me either. And so we're still trying to recreate ourselves. We try to do it through the house we live in. We try to do it through what we drive. We try to do it by how much money we make. We try to do it by where we work. We try to do it by who we're married to or who we're dating or, 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 or who our parents are. We try to do all of these things to identify ourselves. But I'm telling you today, and what I want you to hear is that none of that's valid. The only valid testimony to who you are comes from God. And so we're spending all of this time, all of this effort, all of this energy, you know, to, to look the right way, to do the right things, to, to be the right person, to be accepted, to be okay. And the thing that I want you to hear today is that God has done that for you. God has done that for you. It's not something that we have to try to recreate ourselves because we try to recreate our identity and our identity is just who we are. It's who we are. It's, it's, what we're known for and what we're known to be about is, is our identity. It's not limited to what other people think about us, but it can be what we think about ourselves probably most importantly and how we see ourselves. And so this identity is a big deal. It's not an issue. It is the issue that I believe we have to deal with 
in order to become truly free in Christ and to become what Christ wants us to be. I want to share another truth with you because this is absolutely true. That, there, that for every person in here, there's some aspect of your identity that you wish you could change. There's something that you wish you could have done different. There's something that you might wish had just gone a different way as you look at your life. And so a lot of times it's our past that begins to identify us. It's, it's the people we're around that begin to identify us. And mistakes we've made sometimes begin to identify us. And we'd like to be able to change that a lot of times. We'd like to be able to make that something different. We'd like to be able to go back and have that to do again. And the reality of it is we don't get, really get that do-over. But the great thing that we do have is we have a God who's made a way for us to come to him despite our sin and we can find ourselves in him. We find who we truly are in Christ and in what he says about us so that we can be set free from those things that tend to hinder us, those things that make us feel we're not okay, but that we have to become someone else if we're ever gonna be okay or be accepted. So we got to come to this place where we realize this. For a lot of us, it's our past experiences that define us. For some of us, it's past sin that define our lives. So we define ourselves by our, our promiscuity, by the people we slept with, the people that I, I, know, I knew guys who they, they, they prided themselves on how many girls they could sleep with. We, we, try to, we, we, we then come to a place in our lives many times where that begins to be a source of condemnation in our lives. And so we have those things that tend to keep us and hold us back. We have things about our performance in life and are we succeeding or are we failing? And, and those things tend to make us uh, look at ourselves a certain way. If we're being successful, typically we feel like we're acceptable and, and loved. But if we're having struggles or failing in things, we typically feel like somehow that's made us unlovable, that's made us unacceptable. And so we come to a place where we, 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 don't, we don't look at ourselves the way God looks at us. I know for myself um, in ministry, I, I worked in the roofing business for about 10 years before I went into ministry. I, I thought it'd be a lot, a lot easier, honestly, because you're trying to do a good thing. But the reality of it for me was that I thought everybody was going to just like me and, and be, be on my side. And I come to find out really quickly that that's not the case. And, and, and it was things that would go on, you know, where I would have things said about me or things that put on Facebook about me or this would get back to me that so-and-so had said this or said that or somebody that didn't even know me went on a rant about me uh, and things like that, that that would just get in my heart and, and just fester there and just make me uh, want to give up, make me want to quit, make me want to run away. And, and it was, wasn't until um, I began to learn these truths that I began to be set free from that. And I don't mean this arrogantly and I don't mean this in a bad way, but the thing that God's done in my heart and the truth he's shown me about who I am according to his truth, not according to my truth, has, has set me free so much from the things that other people think or the things that other people feel about me. And so I've been able to come to this place where I'm no longer defined by how good the message is that I preach on Sunday morning. I'm not defined by how many people come to the altar, or how many people get saved. I'm not defined by how many people show up next week. The thing that God's shown me, and I'm sharing this example with you, I want you to be able to apply this to your own life, is this, that if no one shows up next week, it still doesn't change who I am. It still doesn't change who I am. It's, it's about what God or who God says that I am. 
It's the same thing for you. These outward, external things, unless we let them into our heart, they cannot define us. Because God, if we're in Christ, is defining us through Christ with a greater truth. We don't have to find our identity in athletics or, or in, in our spouse or, or even with our children. Because God's given us the identity. See, here's the incredible thing. And here's the greatest truth that there is. The greatest truth that there is that, that defines us is the gospel. It's the greatest truth that there is. And it defines us. It tells us who we are in Christ if we put our faith in Jesus. And the truth of it is this, that we're all sinners, right? Every single person in here is a sinner. We established that earlier. Everybody's committed at least one, right? And so we're all sinners. And because of that sin and that rebellion against God and the wrong acts we've committed against him, God's judgment is rightfully on us. His condemnation is rightfully on us. But the greatest thing about our God and the incredible thing about him is that he is a God of love. And as this God of love, he's come to our lives through Christ to make a way for us to be able to come back to him. And he's given us the ability to have our relationship with him restored. So that we again are united with our image bearer. So we can look to Christ to see who we are and what we're to be about and how we're to live. And, and, and it begins to give us our identity when we see ourselves in Christ. Because God doesn't look at you through Christ and see the sinner. God looks at you through Christ and sees a saint. I know that's hard to believe. It's hard to fathom that God could look at you and think, man, they're, they're perfect. They're righteous. But the crazy thing about it, guys, is this, that God gives us that righteousness through Jesus. But for so many of us, we're still trying to earn it. We're still trying to, 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 main, to, to maintain it. We're trying to get it, and then we try to maintain it. When the reality of it is this, that we can't do anything to earn it. We can't make it happen. We can't work harder to, to make ourselves righteous before God. Because the Bible even says that our most righteous deeds are like filthy rags before him. So the thing that we have to see and understand is that the only possibility we have for being made right before God, for having an identity that is true and accurate, is through Christ as we come to him. It's not something that we can do on our own. It's something that we have to receive from God, period. So many times we hear the good news of the gospel and we come to Jesus and we come just as I am, right? We come to him and, and, and we have our sins forgiven and we're, we're in Christ, we're a Christian. But then as soon as that's over, we begin to try to do what we couldn't do before and that's earn his love, earn his acceptance. When the only way we're gonna find acceptance is still through faith in Christ and, and through the work that God's gonna do in our hearts. The problem for a lot of people is this, that you never do right long enough to feel like you can come to God. Because every time you think you're getting it together a little bit, it all seems to fall apart. You seem to screw it up again. And, and so we feel like we can't come to God. I know in my own life, there were times when I would get to this place where I felt like I'm not, I'm not able to be loved by God. There's no possible way he could love me like this. There's no way he could do this. And, and then I would try to clean up my acts so that I could somehow slip back into God's presence, kind of like sneaking up on him or something. And, and the thing that I've learned, the thing that I've seen is 
that in Christ, he's made me like himself. Again, he's recreated me. Again, he's made me like Jesus. Now, you're not going to confuse me for Jesus, but, but I'm in Christ. I'm hidden in him. And because of that, I can come to this place of seeing myself that way. I can come to this place where I don't bargain with God about this righteousness any longer. I accept what he says and what he's done for me. Something that's not based on what I've done or what you've done or what we will do, but on what God has done for us through Christ. It's the only place we're going to find it. You can keep looking, you can keep searching, you can keep buying more, you can keep storing more. I know even at my house, I have to add more storage to store stuff, junk, you know, that we have. We can keep adding more and keep building more and keep doing more and keep trying to attain more and buying this and buying that and having her or having him and whatever it might look like for us. But the reality of it is, it's not going to do for us what we think it will do. We can keep engaging in sin over and over and over again, thinking that this time it's going to do what it promises for me. It never does. It never does. It just leaves you worse off than you were before. And we can keep looking to all of these things to try to recreate ourselves. But the bottom line is it's not going to work. The bigger, the better, the more expensive, it's not going to satisfy us. I've seen people with nothing that have Jesus and they're the happiest, joyfulest people on earth. I've seen people with everything without Jesus and they're absolutely miserable. I read an article the other day about Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, and it was talking about how he, he really began to search for the answer to, to life because he'd won a Super Bowl, he'd done all of these things. And Tom Brady, the, the quarterback of New England Patriots, he, he did the same thing. There was an article about him years ago that was the same thing. He had the supermodel wife. They're both doing great. They both have everything, have, have everything we could possibly think of, and yet they weren't happy. They were still like, trying to answer what's the purpose in life. Unfortunately, I think Aaron Rodgers got some bad advice from the article that I read. But the, the thing is, it points us to the fact that you can have it all minus God and have nothing. You can try to define yourself with all this stuff and all these things. And you still can't find yourself worth anything. Because it's in Christ, in the riches of his grace, that we find our true value and true worth to God. And we find the true value that has been placed on our lives. And there's nothing and no one that can take that away from us when we have it in Christ. And, and when we by faith, when we by faith simply receive it, God does the greatest exchange that he's ever made. And it's his righteousness for our wretchedness. It's the greatest exchange that there's ever been. He takes our sin. He takes death. He takes all of those things and gives us his righteousness, gives us his life to live. But we don't do it in any other way other than just receiving what God has for us. And we receive it. The Bible tells us a few things. I will tell you three things real quick that the Bible tells us. The first one is that the Bible tells us that when we receive Christ, we become a new creation. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. I want you to hear this and understand this according to Scripture, according to what God says about us, according to his word that is God-breathed, that is used for teaching, rebuking, training, and correcting people in the way that they should live their life. 
and the way they should see life and see themselves according to that word. When you come to faith in Christ, you become a new creation. The old is gone. The, the past is done. The sin has been separated from you. It no longer has the power to define you. It's why Paul in Romans chapter 8 verse 1 can say there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Because the condemnation for those who are in Christ was put on Jesus. So we were set free. And so we see that we become a new creation or we're given a new identity in Jesus. We're not what we once were. We're someone different, something different, a new creation. He also says, if you look in the book of Ezekiel, Ezekiel was a prophet. He's writing in these verses about, about what Jesus would do for us one day. This is hundreds of years before Jesus came, but he's prophesying about the Messiah who was to come. And he says, for I will take you out of the nations. I will gather you from all the countries and bring you back into your own land. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. In other words, I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to make you clean. I'll cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And so the second thing that he does is he gives us this heart, this, this, this his heart. He begins to recreate us from the inside out. He, he does a work in, internally in us, changing our heart, giving us a new heart. And so that we begin to want to live the way God tells us to live. We want to do the things that God tells us to do. And we're able to begin to see ourselves according to what God says we are and who we are. So he begins to write this story in our life through the gospel. The third thing that happens and that we become is we become filled with the very presence of God. Verse 27 says, and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and to be careful to keep my laws. He puts his very presence in us to do the transformation, to reassure us that we are his. But so often what happens is we come to God by faith and then we begin to try to earn it again. Rather than just surrendering to the spirit of God and doing what God leads us to do. Rather than listening to the voice of God and God Speaking to us through his word, we try to again define ourselves by something or someone. And this is important. This exchange of God's righteousness for our wretchedness is huge. And you got to get this today. Is that that's the key to a better story. Is the gospel story. And what we have to see and what we have to understand is that this story at the end of the day is not even about us. It's about God. And we find and we discover that we're not the main character in the story. God is. Jesus is. And so what we come to and what we're able to realize is that God wants to write a better story in our lives through the gospel story for his glory, for his glory, not for ours. The thing that I want you to understand about this better story that God wants to write in your life. This coming to a true identity in Christ is this. I'm not telling you that if you apply these truths and you begin to live by the word of God and you begin to come to a place where the truth defines you, that you're not gonna have challenges. That's not at all what I'm saying. I'm not telling you that you're not gonna have trials. That's not at all what I'm saying because the Bible tells us clearly that in this world we will have trouble. But he also says, take heart for I have overcome the world. And see, when, when, when I was 
really at the, the, one of the lowest points in my life. I was struggling from the pressure of ministry. The church was growing. We were doubling in size every year for several years, just doubling in size. There was more pressure coming on me. I'd never done this before. I really didn't have anybody to go to and talk to about what was going on or get advice from as far as another pastor or mentor. And so I'm trying to wade through this by myself and, and all the pressure that was on me. And then in the midst of that, I didn't know who I was in Christ. I was a pastor for several years before I really began to understand my identity in him. And it nearly killed me. It nearly killed me. And then I've learned these truths. And the thing I want you to see about this is that there's more pressure now if I allow it than there was then. The church is bigger now than it was five years ago. There's more opinions now than there were five years ago. There's more opinions now than, than what I originally was dealing with. There's more pressure now than what I was really originally dealing with. What I want you to see is that God didn't change my circumstances. He changed me. He changed me. And, and the thing I want you to be able to apply to your life out of that is this. I'm not telling you all of your circumstances are going to change. It, it, it may be the same job. It may be the same same circumstances that you're facing but what I know is this that God will change you in the circumstances and he gives us the ability to live in freedom in Christ as he calls us his own as we hear his voice speaking over us this is my son whom I'm well pleased in or this is my daughter with whom I'm well pleased and so we're able to come to this place of seeing ourselves the way that God sees us the last thing I want to tell you today is this. Satan, who is our enemy, we read about in the very beginning of this message. He was our enemy. His system, he's the prince of this world, and this world's system is a system of performance. We have to go to work and perform. We have to perform as a father or a mother to be able to, to, to do the things that we need to do. This, this prince of this world has has come and, and this, this world is not what God meant it to be. It's a fallen world. And his system is all about performance. It's not coincidence that God's system is completely different. God's system is not about our performance. It's about what he's done for us. It's not about what we do. It's about what he's done for us and what he will do for us. But what Satan loves for us to do is to take his, the world's system and to transpose it over onto God's system. And that's what's so dangerous about religion, especially religion in the South, is that so many times we think it's about being good or doing good things or more good things outweighing the bad things. The reality of it is that that doesn't save us. It's our relationship with Christ that saves us. It's our relationship and our faith in Him that saves us. But Satan loves to use this weapon to make us think that God's system is like His system. And many of us have bought into the lie that's about our performance. When it's not, it's about what God's done for us. And here's what I know, I know this. I know that there are a lot of people in here today who you're not living according to God's system of walking in who he says you are. You're not living according to God's system and being content and fulfilled in him. You're not, you're not living in God's system. You're trying to operate in Satan's, in this world's. Your acceptance and being okay for you is completely defined by what the world says about you. 
And I'm telling you this, the way you find out who you are created to be is not going to culture in this day, going to the world today. It's going to the creator who created you and finding out what he says about you. And just like we sang that song, A Better Story, God's writing a better story than our sin could ever tell. But we've got to let him do that. Listen, we've got to surrender the pen. We've got to give it up and surrender it to God and say, God, you write in my life what it is you want to write. You write the story. Because we're not the main character of this. It's all about God. And we come to that conclusion and we begin to live our lives that way. And we begin to receive what God freely offers us in Christ. Then we can walk in the freedom that John 8.32 tells us that we can have where the truth will set us free. There are a lot of people in here today who are bound up by this world system of performance. You're bound up by this system of materialism. You're bound up by this system of what do they think about me? Who do they say I am? Am I good enough? Am I okay? Why don't they like me? And I'm telling you, there's freedom from that. There's freedom from that today. And it's found in the truth of God's word as God desires to write a better story. Here's the thing though, the first step to all of this is becoming in Christ. It's for Jesus to become the Lord and savior of your life. It's, it's to be found in Christ. Paul uses the phrase in Christ as he's writing the books of the New Testament. The apostle Paul uses the phrase in Christ over a hundred times in the books of the New Testament that he wrote because it's that important that he wanted to get that across. My question to you today is, are you in Christ? Have you given your life to him so that he can be the Lord and savior of your life so that he can define who you are, not being defined by what others feel, think, or say, what this world tells us we ought to be, what a commercial says we've got to look like or become, not by what we drive or where we live, but by God and his truth. So if you're here today and you haven't given your life to Christ, you haven't come to this place of salvation in Christ, today be a great day to do that to make that exchange of wretchedness for righteousness today and to let God begin to write the story he wants to write with your life. And so today I'm gonna to ask you, if you haven't had a relationship with Jesus, you don't consider yourself to be a Christian before today, but today you say, I wanna receive Christ into my life. And I'm not talking about going to church and all that stuff. Maybe you've done that. I'm talking about, do you have a relationship with Jesus? If you don't, but today you say, I want one, this is what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. I, I want a relationship with God through Christ. I wanna make the exchange of righteousness for my wretchedness today. I wanna give that to him and receive what he has for me. Today, would you do that? You might hear that that's your heart today. We always wanna give opportunity for this in our services. For the rest of us today, what I would challenge you with 
is what do you need to surrender to God? What is it that you're writing in your own life? Think about it. What is it that you're looking to, to identify you, whether it's work or whatever it might be, your children, whatever it might be, their success and their failure determines your value and worth somehow in your mind. What is it that you need to let go of? Because in this minute, I'm gonna pray and I'm gonna give you an opportunity to come down to this altar and leave the pen and get up out of here, leaving the control of that thing or that issue or that circumstance or that place or that thought and get up and walk out of here knowing that God's taking the pen of your life and surrendering. And here's the thing, guys, all of life is about surrender. You're not gonna do it one time and it be done forever. It's a moment by moment thing. But maybe God's prompting your heart today that you need to move and you need to respond to his invitation to lay down the pen and let him pick it up. So I wanna pray, if God's prompting your heart to move, you move. If God's working in you, then respond. For some of us, it may be the first thing that we do that we don't worry about what the person next to us is thinking. But we're more, more interested in doing what God tells us to do. That's a huge first step. So I'm gonna pray and I'll let you move. Let's do this. Jesus, thank you for your heart for us. Thank you, God, for your love for us. Thank you, God, that you give us a new identity in Christ. You transform us, Lord. God, you, you give us that new creation. You make us a new creation. And God, you give us a new heart and you put your spirit within us. So God, I, I pray that we'd be able to see that, that we'd be able to understand that, that we're not defined by anything other than your truth, God. God, I pray that throughout this series that would become even more and more clear so that we can live in freedom, so that we can live in what you promised, that we would know the truth and the truth would set us free. Set us free, Lord, to live for you. Set us free, Lord, to, to walk in you. God, give us your heart to live out of. Father, we love you and thank you that you love us. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the new creation. In his name we pray, amen, amen. But they're gonna keep praying. You can come and pray if you'd like. Otherwise, listen, we'll see you next week. God bless you.